Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. And just like NASCAR, it goes around in circles, except this guy's not running on all cylinders. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. Hey, it's Monday night as I'm recording this, late Monday night, because I'm off in Vegas. So, uh, Thursday night, Las Vegas, if you're going to be in town, come to the Tobacco Leaf out in Summerlin. I'll be there about uh, 4, 4.30. We'll be doing a little sampling of uh, McBaron tobaccos out there, and I'll probably have uh, some new stuff, you know, the M4 and all that. Uh, Thursday night in Las Vegas. Yeah, I'm in Vegas again for another trade show. This one, the uh, National Association of Tobacco Outlets. Uh, it's a wholesale show, and we'll be dealing with a bunch of our chain stores for some of the uh, Sutliff and uh, McBaron lower-end products. Uh, but in uh, tonight's show, hey, we're going to talk about Cavendish tobacco, or uh, what a lot of us consider to be called aromatic tobaccos. That'll be in pipe parts. My guest tonight is Chris Jenkins, and uh, Chris reached out to me about having some of his music played, and I talked to him a little bit, and I said, how about having him as a guest? So, uh, young pipe smoker, well, you'll enjoy it. It was uh, was a lot of fun talking to him. Uh, Mailbag, rant, all that coming up, including music from Chris. Uh, speaking of currently going on, the JDRF auctions are underway as of this moment. We've already received $275 in cash donations, so thank you very much for that. Again, 100% of the monies raised through donations and through the purchases on eBay from the pipe stud Steve Fallon go directly to the JDRF for uh, research to find a cure to help with treatments for type 1 diabetics like my daughter and like Tom the Diabetic Man. Uh, Currently on eBay, the Pipe Stud has, and these are ending on Saturday morning, uh, a W.O. Larson Black and Tan Straight Grain, a Genode UPCA 10-year anniversary pipe, and a Nording Grade Triple Zero Danish Handmade. Uh, I believe these are all from the personal collection of one Kevin Godby. So thank you, Kevin, for the donation. Want to own a pipe that Kevin smoked? Uh, Go to eBay, search Pipe Stud, and you'll see the three JDRF charity auction pipes. Also check out his uh, Pipe Stud consignment shop, pipestud.com, and there may be some tobaccos popping up there that will be for the JDRF. Uh, Plus... Hopefully more pipes and stuff going up on uh, Saturday morning, so keep an eye out for that. And again, every dime that you bid on these items, Steve donates the eBay commissions, the PayPal fees, the shipping. Every penny that you bid on these go directly to the JDRF. So thanks to Steve, and uh, thank you all for bidding. All right, let's get on with the show. So sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to the McBaron Tobacco Company, and here we go. Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achilles Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. 
Welcome back. In uh, just a few minutes, my uh, visit with Chris. In the meantime, aromatics. All right, so an aromatic tobacco we all know has this world-famous thing in it called Black Cavendish. Um, I've talked in the past about how the tobacco gets black. Well, there's all different variations of Cavendish tobaccos, all the way from a golden to a red to a brown and to black, and it just depends on how much time, heat, and pressure is put on the tobacco. The blacker the Cavendish, the milder the tobacco is. The more impurities are sweat out, the more sugars are released, the softer and milder it is. Uh, well, recently, not to uh, bang on a drum again, but recently we introduced Amphora, and it got me thinking. Uh, one of the, the big difference between Cavendish tobaccos in Europe and Cavendish tobaccos in the United States is what it's made of. A European Cavendish is going to be more is going to be based off of a Virginia tobacco. It's a Virginia leaf that is again pressurized and steamed to get the impurities out. However, in most cases, and this is just a, a generalization, but in most cases, the tobacco is going to be either a brown or a red. They're not going to take it all the way to a black because the Virginia leaves already have a whole bunch of natural sugars in them. So they don't need that extra blackening to, uh, to kind of sweeten it up and sweat out the impurities. However, that's not always the case. Uh, when you look at an American tobacco... Uh, especially any of the uh, Sutliff-made aromatics or the number one seller, Captain Black or BCA, that's actually a burly leaf that is heavily blackened and then sweetener is added to it and flavoring is added to it as well. Uh, again, you can have varying colors of the U.S. style of burly-based uh, Cavendish blends, but in tradition in the U.S. is that it's a black, black Cavendish. Um, what does this mean for us, the smoker? Well, when you're taste testing or looking at a European aromatic and you're used to smoking a, uh, an American-style aromatic, it's going to be a whole different experience for you. Uh, if you're primarily an American uh, an American Virginia smoker or a Virginia tobacco smoker, you know, just a basic Virginia blend, uh, you may want to dabble in some of the very lightly cased or light aromatic Virginia-based Cavendish blends from Europe. Uh, those Virginia-based Cavendish blends, again, they don't have, some of them don't have a real heavy top note, and I'm talking about like the uh, the classic Dutch-style tobaccos that are kind of clumpy you don't get a real burst of a cherry or a chocolate off the top of it. The flavoring that has been added to it is a secondary flavoring made to enhance the experience of the real tobacco taste. And then again, you also get the European aromatics where they're just, the flavoring is prominent and that's all you can taste and you get a little bit of a hint of the real tobacco flavor. Um, on the from Europe, if you're coming over here and you're trying some of the American aromatics, you may find that they are too um, uh, too sugary, too sweet, too uh, too goopy for you. My suggestion would be maybe you water them down a little bit, mix them with a little base Virginia Cavendish or Dutch style natural tobacco, and that'll give you a hint of it. So. There's some ideas to play around with. Uh, don't forget, uh, in the mailbag, I'll talk about all the stuff that's coming up at Chicago. Because that's, oh boy, two weeks. No, one week away I leave for Chicago for the big pipe show. Alright, uh, got any questions or comments, post them on PipesMagazine.com or email me, Brian, at PipesMagazine.com. And in just a few minutes, Chris will be on the phone. <laughs> This is Internet Radio. Do you 
need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favorite blends outside of the U.S.? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favorite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the U.S. and international with no worries. Fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. There's nothing quite like a good book, or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us is uh, pipe smoker and musician Chris Jenkins. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. So you you listen to the show regularly. You said, how about putting some of your music on the show? And I said, great. How about you coming on the show and talking about your music? Uh, But first, let's get to know you. Where did you grow up, and when did you start smoking a pipe? Sure. So I am uh, from Virginia. I grew up uh, in a a small town called Luve, Virginia. It's about 90 miles west of uh, Washington, D.C., very, very small town, especially when I was growing up, and uh, a lovely place kind of set, you know, near the mountains, and um, grew up here, and, and one of those things where you, you grow up in a place and you can't wait to get away when you're, you know, 18, and uh, went off to college, went to George Mason University, and um, went to music school there, and uh, started smoking a pipe in college. Um, it was uh, something I guess I was always drawn to, you know, even when I was a kid, the aroma, you know, you walk past the, uh, the tobacco store in the, in the shopping mall, and, you know, it's just, it's, it was lovely, even as a kid, I remember it, and uh, in, in college, uh, there was another musician, um, a violinist, if I remember correctly, he was starting to smoke a pipe out in the courtyard every day, and uh, I was walking with my wife, it was, it was then my girlfriend, um, and uh, she, she noticed the aroma, and she was like, oh, that's lovely, and so... Uh, I sort of took that and ran with it and uh, ordered my first pipe on eBay, of all places. <laughs> what was your first pipe? I wish I remembered the, the name brand, but it was uh, it was Briar Pipe. It wasn't, you know, uh, anything else. But it's uh, quite small, straight billiard, um, lots of rustication on it, which uh, I'm thinking was covering up some, some pretty serious flaws. It was, it was cheap, you know, um, but uh, got me started. And... Uh, went to the local tobacco shop um, in, in Fairfax, Virginia, uh, John B. Hayes. Yeah, great store. They're still, they're still around, and they do, they do a great job, and they got me started. Um, and uh, from there, you know, kept on. Did, so they showed you how to pack and smoke a pipe and suggest some starter tobaccos for you? They did, yeah. They had a uh, blend uh, their most popular aromatic, um, I believe it was called Aspen, I think. And I uh, bought some of that, and, um, you know, they showed me, I think I, I think I bought it in a rush, and then I went back for a lesson because I I got back, you know, to, to, to where I was living and obviously had no clue what to do, and so I ended up going back there, and then they, they walked me through it. I think I was just uh, um, kind of sheepish about it at first and wanted to be thought, you know, an experienced uh, pipe smoker, which wasn't wise. So I even remember doing silly things like, how do you get the flame down into the tobacco, you know, and trying to turn it different ways. And, um, not not the best start, but uh, they, got me, they got me going after a little while. And did you try all different styles of tobacco at the start? I did. Um, I went from, from the that very, very light aromatic, um, which um, I discovered I didn't really feel... Uh, Fulfilled, you know, from it at the start. So I went to some some English blends. Um, they have they have quite a variety of English blends. I, I still I still frequent their shop uh, when I can. Um, and I went uh, flakes were the only thing that I didn't get into at the beginning uh, because um, I think I was a little bit impatient at the start and uh, went for more of the ribbon cut tobaccos. Um, but since I've I've uh, moved over to enjoying some some flaked tobacco. Um, and it took me a little while um, to really get the to get the technique of, of packing the pipe correctly and things like that. I went for a long time 
I would I would you know smoke a pipe and I'd be like oh that's that's not so great it's not what I remembered from those those uh, sometimes you know early on you have this really nice moment of, of pipe smoking and then you try to recreate that and um, you're always kind of going back and forth and then eventually I, I really got the technique down and uh, and stuck with it but yeah I tried I tried quite a few different uh, blends um, I bought some some Balkan Sassini I remember buying a tin of that uh, which I liked. Um, and uh, I, I tend toward um, so, some heavier Latakia blends um, and also some, some English flakes. Now the question everybody wants to know is, does your wife like the smell of the English tobaccos? She, she doesn't mind it. Um, <laughs> there, there is an English or a Virginia blend that she, she prefers. Um, it's actually from John B. Hayes, the, the tobacconist I mentioned. It's called the A.T. Blend, um, so it's a light flake. Um, she likes that a lot, a lot more. <laughs> um, but she's she's not, uh, you know, she's not offended by the uh, the Latakia. <laughs> uh, how's your pipe collection going? It's okay. Um, I've I don't have that many pipes. I probably have nine or ten that I'll smoke. Um, I uh, my my primary. Um, is a is a bent um, sort of a twist design pipe um, by J M Boswell mm-hmm. uh, in Pennsylvania. Um, I've been up there. You know, his his shop is about I want to say two and a half or three hours from me, which is quite a distance. I don't like frequent it or anything, but you know, if we were on a trip up that way, I'd stop in. Um, and I, I have one pipe that's just the perfect pipe to smoke. Um, I don't I don't can't say why, but it's just it's just wonderful. So I've had it for about ten years. Um, and I have another of his pipes. Um, I really liked uh, a few years ago. I was into uh, the Bing Crosby style long stem pipe, and uh, I actually sent Jay and you know some pictures. And I was like, "Can you can you like make you know something like this?" So he made a few, and I, I picked one up. Um, so I got got that one, um, and then uh, another one I smoke a good bit is a La Roca um, pipe, which is uh, it's a very beautiful pipe. Um, I do all different things when I'm smoking a pipe. You know, sometimes I'm able to sit down and relax, and then sometimes I'm out, you know, in the garage goofing around with, with tools and stuff, so I try to pick, you know, a pipe uh, that's not going to get beat up or anything if I uh, set it down in the wrong place. So I'll have a couple cheaper pipes that I'll go to for that time. Now let's talk about the guitar playing because I've, you know, I've previewed some of your stuff, and we're going to hear a piece of your music later on in the show but um so i've already decided that i don't like you because i'm jealous uh when did you actually uh, when did you pick up the guitar and start playing sure i uh i started playing the guitar as a teenager um i was in i think you know like ninth grade or something and i'd i'd played music as a kid i played piano and some saxophone um and i was a very casual you know music student it, it wasn't anything i was super hyped about and then I discovered the guitar when I was in high school and uh, played, um, started off with some, some, you know, church music in youth group. It was a very encouraging environment. Um, it's actually where I met my wife and uh, continued on from there. I got into playing some rock music, um, electric and acoustic. And then I was, I was, as you get closer to the end of high school, you start to think, well, gee, what am I going to do with my life? And uh, music was, was really all I could think to do and um, started looking at different ways that I could pursue music and um, I discovered the classical guitar which I completely fell in love with. It was the first time I remember being um, just really inspired about music and and knowing that it was what I wanted to do. So um, picked it up, um, got some books, um, again uh, tried to teach myself a little in the beginning and then uh, certainly moved on from there. And uh, it's, it's still what I do, what I do for a living. Now, you went to college specifically for music? That's right. I went to uh, my undergrad at uh, George Mason University. It's about, you know, half an hour from D.C. west. Yeah. Um, they have an excellent music school there. I uh, got my undergraduate degree in classical guitar, um, which... Um, you know, it, music degrees are a lot of work. It's, it's funny with guitar; everybody's always like, "Oh, you just you just play guitar all day," and and you kind of do. But of course, you have your other you know, music theory and history, and um, 
teaching requirements and things like that. And then uh, after my undergrad, I decided it's what I still wanted to do and that I'd like to uh, continue on to a, a graduate level. So I went to the University of South Carolina um, for my master's in classical guitar. What, uh, I guess there, there's, I mean, there's something special about the sound of the classical guitar. Is there uh, particular musicians that inspired you? Definitely, definitely. I mean, there's the, the, the greats of the classical guitar, um, John Williams or, or Julian Green. Those guys were, you know, really active kind of back in the 70s, uh, 60s, 70s, I guess. And, of course, Segovia before that really paved the way. For, for what um, for what's going on now, but there's some great younger performers, you know, my generation who are, who are out there touring. It's really uh, become quite popular. The classical guitar is kind of having a resurgence. I think um, there are lots of public schools who are offering guitar as part of the curriculum. So where you traditionally had band, orchestra, choir, you know, now you're getting guitar in the classroom, which really meets a, a need. You know, a lot of kids may not want to go out and play a brass instrument or, you know, a bowed string instrument, but they can go and express themselves musically in the classroom. Um, and that's that's really fueling a lot of, of, of great interest in the classical guitar. Uh, with the with the new kids coming in, is there more of a crossover of taking more, uh, taking more pop music and playing it in a classical style? Yeah, there is. Um, I, I think that's an excellent way to... To let a student, you know, I teach a lot. Um, it, it's an excellent way to let a student enjoy um, you know, the music they're even listening to, or the music that they they can connect to, um, and then and then incorporating classical guitar technique, which which you know, the technique is very different um, in in a lot of ways uh, as far as what you're doing with the, the hand that's essentially plucking the string. There's a lot of um, a lot of movement. You know, you're not using a pick; you're using your fingers. Um, and you're, you're holding the guitar in a different way and studying it in a different way. But it's a great way to, to get a student interested and allow them to, to explore the music, like I said, that they, they want to play, but also um, directing them on this you know, path of, of um, more serious study you know, of the instrument. Uh, so, so that's, that's yeah, you're right. That, that, that's uh, what's a great opportunity, I think. Do you teach them how to manicure their nails? Yes, the nails. Yeah, that's always. <laughs> that's always. I, everybody used to ask me, they're like, what is your, what's your girlfriend think of those nails? Because that's kind of weird. Um, yeah, unfortunately, us uh, classical guitarists have to um, pluck with the nails of our, of our, of our hand, which is like the right hand. So, yeah, it's a lot of work, and it, uh, it can be a pain, but you're always filing your nails and buffing the nails and uh, taking care of them, which is kind of bizarre, but. Um, when you hear the difference of, of a great player with, uh, you know, that, that they know what they're doing with their sound, it, you, you can hear the difference, and it's uh, one of those necessary evils, I guess, you know. It's kind of like pipe smoking, where you learn your own technique, and then every classical guitar player has their preference for how they want their nails trimmed and shaped. Right. I mean, if you, uh, if you looked at the, the, the duo that I'm in, the Coda duo, uh, the, the, my friend, he's a good friend of mine. He's in South Carolina. I'm in Virginia, um, and we have our duo. His nails, you know, he's got these really uh, sort of daggers you know, that he's playing the guitar with, and uh, I have quite short nails. Um, but we still, you know, blend our sound together, and it, it's really interesting when you see the, uh, the difference. You're right. <laughs> we're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we're going to skip off of nails and talk about wine and music and uh, more pipe smoking so stay with us we'll be back in just a minute i'm jeremy reeves head blender of cornell and deal pipe tobacco company since 1990 cornell and deal has been producing high quality pipe tobacco expertly blended by hand using time-honored methods unique recipes and no small amount of innovation One example of such innovation is our bestseller, Autumn Evening. We start with whole leaf red Virginia and strip the stems by hand. The tobacco is then cut into ribbons and cooked for two days according to our unique recipe to create our special red Virginia Cavendish. Then we infuse the tobacco while it's still hot with our secret flavoring to achieve the sublime sweetness 
deep flavor and delightful aroma that makes autumn evening so well loved by our loyal customers and everyone around them as they enjoy this very special blend. Cornell and Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. It's a labor of love. Contact your local or online retailer for information. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with Chris, who does not use his fingernails to pick his nose or do cocaine. So don't think that when you see him. Uh, but <laughs> Chris, in your free time, you have the Faithbrook Barn and Vineyards. Uh, but fill us in on exactly what it is. Yeah, so, so free time, that's, uh, that's hilarious. That's, uh, <laughs> I wish I had some. Um, so yeah, so about a year and a half ago, um, my wife and I, we'd always had this, uh, well, you know, here I can actually say it, we had a pipe dream that, uh, <laughs> we wanted to own a vineyard someday and had no idea how we'd actually do that because we're not the, uh, you know, millionaires coming into this, you know, wine industry type thing. So, uh, we, we were living in the DC area. Uh, we have a couple of kids and so we're looking for a little, a little bit of a slow-paced life, a good place to raise them, and, and also uh, pursue some, some of the ideas we wanted to pursue. So we decided to move back where we're from, Luray, Virginia, and uh, plant a small vineyard and also build uh, a, a, an event center, basically, where, where you know people can host, or we, we can host things like weddings or corporate functions. Uh, we opened up about a year and a half ago. Uh, we built a barn-style structure, um, and planted about a 4,000 vine vineyard, um, and we're going to expand that. You know, I'm getting ready to plant some more vines this coming month, uh, and then in the subsequent years, continue growing grapes. Um, and of course, up front, you have about three years before you can you can even get a harvest, at least three years. So we're on year two right now. So we're going to keep uh, you know you know planting the vines and looking toward um, an eventual winery on the site in the next uh, two, three, four years. Do you know anything about wine, or did you just decide, you know what, I like it, let's grow some grapes and make some? Uh, somewhere in between. Um, my wife's family, um, they're, they're farmers here, um, and they have, have had various uh, farming pursuits, for instance, Christmas trees and, and, and things like that, which a lot of the equipment, a lot of the, um, the, the way you're analyzing the soil, things like that, it, it, it's somewhat similar. Um, and then we, we've done a bunch of research and had lots of... Uh, you know, workshops and doing lots of reading and working with with different extension offices and things here. Um, so it's it's a little bit of a learn as you go, but you know, uh, it's it's off to a good start. And uh, yeah, it's definitely something we've always wanted to do. You know, wine is is of course wonderful. You know, who doesn't love wine? And um, Virginia is an interesting at an interesting place right now for wine. It's really coming into its own, so so we're excited to be part of that that trend. Um, they've, they've been trying to grow grapes here for well since Thomas Jefferson, you know, and yeah. that didn't go very well. But you know, recent advancements in in viticulture um, have really helped to, to to spur some real growth. I think you know there's something like 250 wineries in the state right now. They tend wow. to be small boutique wineries um, where you get a really great sense of, of you know, what the, the, the great growers is doing on the site. Um, they're, they're not these, you know, massive wineries, typically. Um, so it's a really, really great place to come visit and, uh, and, and take a look. So you, you expect and hope to, uh, in the next three or four years, to actually produce your own wine there? That's the plan. That's right. So we, uh, we're going to produce um, some reds. At first, you know, that's, that's really what we have planted, or, or Merlot, Cabernet Franc, and Petit Bordeaux, which are all uh, red, red Bordeaux um, grapes. And, uh, you know, we're, we're never looking to be the type of winery where we're going to be, you know, you're going to find this in a grocery store. We're going to be um, fairly small. Uh, I mean, our site is about 16 acres, uh, which isn't, isn't massive by any means. Um, and we'll, we'll eventually have the winery on site. We'll be able to come to our place and and taste the wine, spend some, some time on site, uh, enjoying the beautiful views that we have, and uh, and that's it. Do you have any idea how many bottles of wine you think you can get out of that size of a vineyard? Sure, we can get a couple, 
it, it it's very speculative, you know, at this point because you're waiting to see what they're gonna they're gonna do as far as you know growing conditions of the soil, vigor of the vines, and all of that. But we can probably do fifteen hundred to to two thousand cases of wine per year, probably maximum with what we have. Um, and that's again, that is that's pretty small production. That's about what you'd you'd, you'd want uh, minimum uh, for a winery. People are stopping by. Um, you're going to have some people who, you know, are going to hopefully be loyal customers, but, uh, again, you're, you're not going to be shipping it, you know, to large distributors or anything. It's, um, it's a pretty small scale. I will volunteer for when you're ready to start doing some uh, taste testing and experimenting. I'll volunteer to come up there and, and do some right. taste testing Quality for you. Quality control, definitely. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll throw <laughs> myself on that sword for you and be up there. Uh, as long as the weather's nice and we can sit and smoke a pipe out on the front porch while we're doing that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> with your pipe smoking, are you looking at wines that you think might pair better with certain styles of pipe tobacco? You know, that's an interesting question. Um, when I, and then I've thought a little bit about it, um, and I've, I've had some wine when I've been smoking uh, a pipe. It hasn't typically gone very well um, because I think I've been smoking some some heavier tobaccos like English blends that might be a little too you know pungent to to, to pair well with uh, a wine which tends to be a little more delicate. Um, I'm thinking some 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 lighter blends um, that, that are more more neutral um, would be good, but I can't really say at this point. I should. Uh, I should try this out and, and make a study of it, I guess. Well, I would think a Virginia wine would go best with a Virginia tobacco. There you go. There you go. Yeah, like a, like a, uh, a Merlot with a, a nice Virginia flake. I can see that. Or in, uh, or in any case, just a good wine and a good pipe tobacco and forget it. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so what... Uh, with your with your guitar, I mean, how do you make a living? <laughs> um, most a lot of it's teaching, you know. So I have a couple different uh, schools that I teach um, in. Um, I do I do you know individual lessons, I do workshops, um, and then performing. You know, performing is is a tricky business, um, and you know we I perform, my duo performs. Um, we do that, but it's not the primary mode of, of income, essentially. Uh, you know, as far as steadiness, it's, it, it's difficult. But, yeah, I teach a lot. I have students of all ages. I have a lot of adult students who perhaps, you know, played the guitar 30 years ago and maybe they have some more time now. Um, they'd like to get back into it. And, you know, conversely, I have some, some younger kids who are, who are phenomenal talents who are drawn to the classical guitar at, you know, 12 years old and they're just are just blazing. So, uh, when you when you've got free time and you're just sitting on the front porch with your guitar, can you smoke a pipe at the same time? <laughs> I've tried. Um, I've tried. It's it's tricky because uh, you you're kind of looking down at your hands, you know, and it's it's a little bit of a trick. Uh, the the whole physics of the pipe. I think um, it, it could be done. I think there's the famous photograph of of Segovia sitting there playing his, his guitar while he's smoking his, his you know, big Dunhill pipe. Um, I don't know if that was posed or not. I'm not sure. Uh, there was rumors that there was ashes inside the uh, inside of his guitars. Oh, there you go. There you go. And it's funny, you know, uh, you know Pablo Casals, the, the famous cellist who was a, was a pipe smoker, um, his his cello has been passed down. I think his wife um, still owns it, but she lets younger musicians um, sort of borrow it on loan, you know. And uh, one of the musicians, there's an interview where he's talking about trying it out for the first time and that you could still smell a public assault pipe um, <laughs> when he's playing the cello, you know. So I thought that was pretty neat. That'd be wonderful just to be in the room with the cello. Yeah, exactly. My teacher um, at, at George Mason University was actually a student of Andre Segovia back in the 60s. And uh, when he became interested in pipe smoking um, as a young man, 
he went to Segovia and said, hey, you know, you, you smoke a pipe, uh, do you have any, any recommendations? And um, Segovia told him, you know, uh, they were in Spain, so he, he, he says, whenever you're in London, go visit, you know, Dunhill and go in there. Tell them I sent you and, um, you know, they'll set you up, which they did. So. <laughs> Maybe I'll try that next time I'm in London. Yeah, <laughs> it took me a while to get here. Honestly, he did send me. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Where can we go to? Uh, where can the listeners go to hear your music and uh, possibly uh, support you? Sure. Uh, well, the, the the place for the duo, which uh, you're going to hear a recording from, is the T H E Coda C O D A duo.com decodaduo.com from there you can link to um, Amazon, iTunes and find our music online and then your other website is Facebook F-A-I-T-H-B-R-O-O-K-E dot com that's our, our farm uh, here it's our vineyard and we you know the, the events we do uh, we're hosting lots of wonderful weddings um, and, and events like that, and uh, we're having a great time doing it. So check it out. We will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Sure. What is your favorite pipe? Uh, the Boswell, uh, J.M. Boswell um, bent um, twist uh, pipe. What's your favorite tobacco? Mm. See, this is this is where it gets really tricky. I should have planned. I knew this was coming, and I didn't plan very well. Um, I'm all over the place. You know, for 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 consistency of, of really enjoying it all the time, I'm going to go with with uh, what I'm enjoying now. McClelland um, Balkan Blue, I think, is what they're calling it now. Just as a side question, how many different tobaccos do you have open right now? Um. I'm going to say four or five. I have the McClelland uh, that I just mentioned, that Light Flake, the AT blend, um, Peterson's Old Dublin. Um, oh, we didn't talk about Peterson. You know, I'm going to Peterson's shop next week. So Ooh. I'm very excited about this. I'm going to be over there in, in Dublin. Now, are you going over to Dublin to play, or are you going over there for, I, for to play? I around? wish I was going there to play. I'm actually going for enjoyment. Uh, it's my wife and I. Our 10-year anniversary this year, so uh, our anniversary is not till later in the year. But we decided right now we have a little bit of a window before before uh, vineyard things go crazy and you know growing season and all that. So we decided to hop over there for about a week, drive around on the uh, wrong side of the road, and, and do some fun stuff. <laughs> I was telling my wife, you got to even even have to be careful when you're walking because uh, as you're walking towards people, they want to pass you on the wrong side. And then when you go to cross yeah, I'm the street, about, so we're picking up a car. We're picking up a car when we get there. It's a manual, you know, transmission. Um, so I'm on the right side of the car. Your your stick's on the left. Driving on the left side of the road. I'm going to be just just a mess. So now you know how I feel being left-handed, picking up a guitar and playing it right-handed. There you, there you go. There yeah. you go. All right. What's your favorite drink? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, a red Bordeaux. Um, hmm, beyond that, I'll just leave it at that, a red Bordeaux. I do enjoy other drinks uh, a lot, but I'll go with that. When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? A book, believe it or not. Uh, a book. Um, I, I really enjoy reading. Uh, it's something I... Wish I had more, you know, time to dedicate uh, to, to reading. I think for me, it's super true. Where you know, they say you don't actually buy a book uh, for the book itself; you buy it because you're thinking uh, you're buying time to read it. So that's how I feel. But I do enjoy reading. And be careful of the paper cuts on your right hand. <laughs> right, exactly. Last question: Any particularly favorite uh, pipe smoking related memories? Oh. Um... Well, let me think here. 
Well, the first, you know, I really enjoyed the first time I smoked my favorite pipe. Um, it was at the pipe maker's shop, and uh, it smoked fantastically from the start. And uh, that, that's a great memory, just sitting there talking to him about crafting the pipe that I was currently smoking uh, that I just purchased. Um, that, was, that was great. Um, his, his shop's very enjoyable. He's a really great, honest guy, and uh, definitely love, love supporting him up there. Yeah, that that is one of the one of the great moments of like a pipe shower when you're when you're at the pipe shop of a pipe maker. You buy the pipe and you get to load it up and smoke it right there with them. Or mm-hmm. yep. Tell us a little bit about the piece of music that we're gonna hear in a few minutes. Sure. Well, I've gone gone back and forth um, with. Uh, with a couple of different uh, different pieces that I should you know recommend to you, um, but I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with spaces between. Um, it's uh, it's the, the the title track um, from our um, the newest album is called Spaces Between. The track is actually called Stay or Leave, and it's actually an arrangement of a, of a Dave Matthews band tune um, that my duo partner arranged for the two of us to play. Um, and it's, it's a really good time to play. I love the way the, the two guitars interact with each other. You trade off parts and um, some different effects in there. You know, the guitar's a great instrument because you can, you can do some percussive effects and, and really manipulate the string the way you want it to get the sound you want. And uh, that, that's really what I love about the guitar. And uh, it's a good example of that. We'll be uh, we'll be hearing that in a few minutes. In the meantime, enjoy your trip to Dublin. Thank you very much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you, Brian. We'll be back in just a minute. The year was 1849. Zachary Taylor was sworn in as the 12th president of the United States. The U.S. flag remained fixed at 30 stars. Edgar Allan Poe was found dead in Baltimore. Congressman Abraham Lincoln patented a buoying device, the only patent ever filed by a future president. William Bond was the first person to photograph the moon through a telescope. And gold was discovered in far-off California. And in that same year, also in California, Henry Sutliff founded his small tobacco company in San Francisco, founded on the principles of giving the public superior tobacco products for those with very discriminating tastes. Now, 165 years later, that tradition continues. Sutliff Tobacco Company has been setting the standard for pipe tobacco ever since. Take a quiz on our website to have the perfect blend suggestion for your tastes, or just browse around to explore all of the wide variety of fine products America's oldest pipe tobacco company has to offer. Lots of things have changed since 1849, but Sutliff Tobacco Company's commitment to making the finest pipe tobacco on earth has not. Visit sutliff-tobacco.com. For information on where you can find all of your favorite blends, from the sweetest aromatics to the richest English mixtures. There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. This is Internet Radio. On top of all the other stuff that Chris is doing, he's also dabbling in starting to make his own pipes. So, uh, yeah, I really don't like people that are that multi-talented and do everything so well and seem to have all kinds of energy. And I, Anyway, I don't like him. Uh, but what a great guy. Here is the uh, piece of music that Chris talked about.
I encourage you all to go to Chris's website, uh, check out the Duo's website, support him. Uh, hey, if you're on Spotify, give him a little listen there. What's this? A letter for me. Mailbag-wise, let's uh, cover what's going on in Chicago. All right, I get into Chicago uh, next Tuesday afternoon. So next week's show will be pre-recorded because I'm spending Tuesday evening and uh, Wednesday evening just having fun around the resort. On Thursday, starting at 10 a.m., I will be doing a uh, home uh, a home blending or tobacco blending 101 class myself along with Per Jensen. That'll be a six-hour long course. There are still a few spots available and if you go to the Chicago Pipe Club or ChicagoPipeShow.com website, there's a link there to uh, sign up for it. Uh, cost is $35 per person, and each person's going to leave with at least a pound of finished blended tobacco. So you basically get your money back for that. Um, Friday is the pre-show swap and sale and that's going to be Friday morning in the tent, and then Friday night there will be uh, the free buffet and drinking and uh, smoking in the smoking tent. Saturday and Sunday, all day long doing the show. Uh, you know, it'll open 9 a.m., so I hope to see you there. Please come by, find me at my table, say hello, say, uh, say how much you uh, hate me, love me, whatever you want to do. Just come by the table and say hi. Look forward to seeing a whole bunch of you there. Uh, speaking of people that I'm going to be seeing there is uh, my buddies John David Cole and Bo York. Uh, they'll be doing some uh, live broadcasting from there or recording some stuff from the Chicago Pipe Show, so make sure and check them out. And uh, speaking of them, um, you know what uh, You know what? Uh, two guys from uh, Mississippi have in common with hobbits? Uh, they all have hairy feet and they don't wear shoes. Okay. Enough of that. Uh, Going back, lots of comments back and forth uh, from two weeks ago from having uh, Tom Provost, the diabetic man, on. And again, let me sum it up by saying, you know what? (laughs) Don't judge everybody else. Just enjoy yourself and do what you enjoy. Um, Do want to read a couple of the comments. New Broom says, a lot of content kept me listening. I think the pipe smoking has made me more patient, and maybe that is a form of meditation. I've immersed myself in pipes and tobacco the last two years via the internet and only started so that I could smoke without paper. Uh, first, I got a cob to go with my bulk RYO pipe tobacco. Then I found Pipes Magazine forum and the YTPC. As for the forums and YTPC's responses to Tom's lengthy new subject post on Pipes Magazine, I find it amazing how much emotion can be generated with simple keystrokes and anything less than unconditional love. I guess I'm not really into how these things work these days. Instant emotion without due diligence or trumped up view clicks. A clever way to get your show written, however... And it was absolutely riveting. I chuckled when mention of multiple fishing vests was made. Yeah, that one got me too. Um, I actually picked up, uh, I actually picked one up this year at a local thrift shop just for use as pipe gear transporter. It's got way too many pockets for me to use efficiently. Um, yes, and I also know what a yabo is. It's a yet another box opening. Um, Pappy Mac said in response to uh, the episode with Tom. Another good show as usual. Don't know what the fuss on the forum was all about because I didn't read that thread. After listening to this episode, I still don't know what the fuss was about. (laughs) Maybe I just can't see it through the cloud of beautiful white smoke coming from my $3 street fair found Savinelli Jubilee de Oro. Uh, Royal Yacht, the finest tobacco ever aged in the bilge of an old coal-fueled steamship. (laughs) Yeah, everybody's got their taste. All right, now going forward uh, to last week's show with uh, Steve Willett of LJ Peretti. Um, Jason GVL said, Great show again, Brian, and very interesting interview. Maybe Peretti is the one who came up with the English label for tobacco. As with most Latakia-style tobaccos, 
here in the UK tend to just be labeled as such, Latakia blend. It's kind of like, I guess, if you go to China, do they label it as Chinese food? It's all Chinese food. Uh, anyway, he goes on to say, Rant couldn't agree more with the jokes. If it's not laugh-worthy or in good taste, leave it to the professionals. Cheers. Uh, Mike Murphy 260 says, An excellent guest this week. Sure wish we had a shop like that in Central California. Sigh, we don't. Looking forward to the next episode. Um, I do also know that Mike Murphy is coming out with a podcast, so as soon as I, uh, as soon as I see that it's up, I'll let y'all know. And Al Jones, one of the, uh, one of the, uh, moderators on the forums that, uh, very rarely get the, uh, credit due for the work that they do, says, uh, that was a great choice for an interview. I just tried some of the Century Blend. I don't recall many Latakia blends with Black Cavendish. Dinner with John Redman and Mr. Dunhill. Yep, that's a memorable moment. Uh, I enjoyed Brian's comments about behavior at a pipe show. However, I don't completely agree with one point. At times, I think making a respectful offer to an artisan makes sense. It always makes sense on a state pipe's my opinion. Al, you are the leading expert on your opinion, and you're welcome to it. Uh, I'm the leading expert on mine. Uh, No, I'm not. My wife's home. I'm not the leading expert on my opinion. Uh, He goes on to write, These days, many new artisans take some heat for what is perceived as high asking prices. If an artisan vendor is not having a good show, perhaps their pricing is out of line. Maybe a respectful offer to commensurate with the craftsmanship doesn't seem out of line to me and might be a wake-up call to a new artist. Also, near the end of the show, a vendor may not have made enough to cover their cost, and they might appreciate a respectful offer. No one appreciates a rude offer, and if it is declined, I always say thanks, I appreciate your consideration. There are some well-established artisans where I would not attempt this, Tawny Nielsen, etc. Even even so, I suspect Tawny would smile and politely say, no thank you, that works for me. And that would probably work for me too um going back there was a there was a string that went on and uh about uh paredes and somewhere in here it says um let's see slow numbers 39 said had the dubious honor of Stephen assisting me with purchasing a new pipe and some tobacco when i went to paredes while in boston i love the whole feel of the shop and especially his demeanor while looking after me, smoked a few bowls with him while choosing my tobacco in that great store. Loved it, and we'll go back there next time I'm in Boston. Uh, C.S. Harp said, Hopefully there is not a run on uh, Tashkent and Cuban mixture after this show. It would be uncomfortable to talk about, but I'm wondering what Mr. Willett thinks of his store's reputation on the Internet. It seems like they have become the Andover shop of the tobacco world. (laughs) Uh, this quote from the article, but to stimulate uh, this quote is from the article, but to stimulate Charlie's enthusiasm to get him to bust out uh, the really rare stuff, one must demonstrate genuine interest in clothes and certain esprit. With his well-known aloofness, some shy customers feel like commissioning a suit from Charlie Davidson is like going to an audition. He's a brilliant designer and an excellent merchandiser, but a very private individual. Uh, says Richard Press, grandson of the founder of the, of the rival Ivy League haberdasher, Jay Press. I always felt that the Andover shop was a very private commercial enterprise. It served a fairly narrow range of people who met Charlie's very difficult credentials of acceptability. He didn't seem to welcome customers. He didn't feel belonged at the Andover shop. He's a vastly entertaining individual, but does not suffer fools lightly. Contributors to this forum have made soup Nazi comparisons. Uh, would be interesting. To, would be interested hearing what advice he would give to the first-time customers in order to build the best relationship possible. So I reached out to uh, Stephen, and he said, "Come in, quite honestly, and say what you're looking for, and start talking about it." Uh, P. Russ went on to write, uh, Brian, thanks for the history of one of North America's great uh, pipe and tobacco shops. I think the soup Nazi comparisons are a little sh- a little harsh. I've had one experience at the store, and 
now know that the gent who served me on my visit was, in fact, Mr. Willett. While my first interactions with him were a little abrupt, as soon as it became apparent that I was in the store to buy and had my wits about me, the conversation became easy and interaction was enjoyable. Let's be clear, there is no fawning hospitality or saccharine cheerfulness to the service at the shop, but what you get in return is service from someone with deep knowledge of and abiding respect for tobacco pipes and the people who both enjoy them. I've given the shop my money since in web orders and will happily return on my next visit. Um, Tex-Mex Pipe said the coffee grounds thing that he mentioned at the end is very interesting. I'll have to give it a try, though. I've only fouled a bowl once, and that was when I first started into pipe smoking and didn't understand cleaning. Um, I fouled a bowl once by dropping it in the toilet bowl. Um, Bob Bittner, who we've had on the show said, uh, what a joy to hear this interview. I have wonderful memories of buying pipes and tobaccos from Peretti back in my earliest smoking days, but I'd forgotten about the company. Thank, uh, thanks to your reminder, Brian, I just placed my first order with them in about 30 years. And then he also said, can't help wondering if some of the comments about the character of the shop are the results of not understanding the New England personality of the place. I haven't visited, so I can't comment personally, but New Englanders do not have a reputation of being reserved with strangers and not outwardly emotional. That is exactly it. It's a uh, stoic, classic New England shop. Uh, Lots going on in there. Lots of great information in there. Lots of great people in there. All right, uh, that about sums it up in just a minute. I'm going to, instead of rant, I'm going to rave. So we'll be back in just a minute. Smokingpipes.com has been my family's tradition for over 10 years. My granddad enjoys his evening pipe on the front porch. My father prefers his in the study, and well, me, I like to hang outside the local coffee shop with a pipe in one hand and my smartphone in the other. The best selection is at smokingpipes.com. They always have the exact pipe I'm looking for. Savinelli, Peterson, Dunhill, and great stuff from dozens of top artisans around the world. Plus, they have over 70 tobacco brands with 750 blends to choose from. Lighters, tampers, tobacco jars, yep, they have that too. But the best part about SmokingPipes.com is that it's easy to order from my computer, tablet, or even my smartphone. And if Granddad has trouble with technology, he can always call them at 1-888-366-0345. I heard that. Do you think I'm deaf? I'm the one who told you about SmokingPipes.com, and I had a smartphone before you. You kids today, blah, blah. SmokingPipes.com. Make it your family tradition. Sometimes it's the simplest things in life that uh, that just just make you laugh, make you happy, make you giggle. Well, about uh, three weeks ago, we were at GameStop, uh, the video game store, and I was buying some used video games. And we went to check out at the counter, and they're getting the discs out of the drawer, and I'm sitting there and looking in a bucket is this whole assortment of multicolored. Uh, color uh, pig butts. They look like little, you know, little four-legged pig butts in different colors. And I'm looking at them, trying to figure out what they are. And I pick one up, and I look at the sign. And sure enough, this is the most ingenious little dollar seventy-nine plastic pig butt I've ever seen. I've put a picture of it up on the uh, radio show page, but it is a rubber. It's a pig butt where instead of a head, it's got a suction cup. And that little pig butt perfectly holds my mobile phone up at an angle so that when I'm sitting on an airplane or when I've got the phone in my car and I'm using the maps, it holds that phone perfectly still and at an angle to make it easy to view. Now, some genius somewhere came up with this idea, and I know it's costing them 
I don't know, three, four cents a piece to have them made in China and shipped over here. But for a dollar seventy nine, and we ended up buying like five or six of them, to, you know, for one for each of us on their phones and to have around the house. This is the most ingenious little thing, and it just makes me happy every time I pick it up and use it because it's a little black beheaded pig butt with a suction cup, and it works every time, and it just makes me laugh. Even sitting here holding it and looking at it, it's just the darndest little thing. So, anyway, if you're going by GameStop and you want to buy a pig butt, I highly recommend them. They're good pig butts. They do a good job of holding your phone up and uh, taking care of you know, so that you can watch it comfortably or hold it still while it's sitting there. There you go. I'm happy I got a pig butt. Um, speaking of pig butts, iTunes seems to be goofed up, so if you're not subscribing to the show, you may miss a few episodes. So if you're on iTunes, click subscribe. And while you're there, please leave us a rating or a review. It looks like they've missed a couple of episodes, and this is a standard iTunes procedure. They probably did an update. Um, looking forward to seeing uh, the gang in uh, Las Vegas in a couple of nights, and then uh, I'll be home for a long weekend and then off to Chicago. So, with all that, thank you to Chris for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in, and until next time... Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just Sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy you got to stall the pigs for a few days. Then the sight of a chopped up body will look like curry to a piss head. <laughs>